My brothers and sisters, it's such a great joy to be with you all this morning. And I always like to begin my Easter homily with a traditional Easter greeting and a response. So the, the greeting is, Christ is risen, and the response is, He is risen indeed. So let's do this. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. What a beautiful day we celebrate today, this, this feast day of the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. I've got kind of a simple message. It went a little too long this morning in St. Francis. I'm going to shorten it up for you. Okay, so they were the guinea pigs. You guys are the privileged recipients here okay, of my refined homily. Right, the essence of the simplicity, what I want to say is to declare to us all, to myself as well as to you, that Christ has given us the solution to the problem of human freedom. The problem of human freedom. Human beings have longed for freedom. No matter what time period, no matter what culture, no matter what spot on the globe, human beings have longed for freedom. It's It's something put deep into our hearts. And it's only Jesus who is the solution to that problem of human freedom. That solution was ratified and made evident on Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead. When the lower part of his human nature that is his body that lay in the tomb was rejoined with the higher part of his human nature that is his soul, which was in Hades, okay, the place of the dead. When those two came back together in the true bodily resurrection of our Lord, humanity, which beforehand was separated, divided against itself, lacking harmony, the higher and lower parts of the human person lacking harmony, lacking integration. In Jesus's reintegration of those two parts, that wholeness, the healing, and hence the freedom, human freedom was given to the human race. That's really the simple, simple version of my homily here. Now, what's interesting about, we're, we're as Americans, now I'm going to kind of expand on that, right? As, as Americans, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage. Here we are, we're on the other side of the Atlantic, we speak English, and we call today Easter. And in almost all other languages, Christians have got a little bit clearer grasp on what we're doing today because they call it, for example, in Italian, it's La Pasqua. Okay, so it's the, the Passover. What do, we, what do we say in Polish? What's Easter for Polish? Anybody know? Does that have to do with the, with the top of La Pasqua? Okay. Well, in any event, that one went over not too well. So, in any event, for most languages, other languages, there's this clear connection between Easter Sunday and the Old Testament Passover, because that's what it is. Today is a Christian Passover. It's an Old Testament feast brought to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're speaking here of English, and we're a little disadvantaged here. But... As Americans, we're also at an advantage because we have got Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments that he shows every Easter Sunday, right? And so we've got this whole connection with the Old Testament Exodus story that's aired. Thank you, ABC, right? 
that great? And you see educated Christians all over America. It's wonderful. And, uh, you know, my greatest penance this Lent was actually the fact that I went last night and I went to the Easter Vigil at St. Mary's and I missed Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. What a penance. But I had Amazon Prime to help me out to save the day. So I watched it on Amazon Prime over and over. So we had this clear connection between Easter and Passover. Easter really is the Christian Passover. What is, what is this idea of Passover? Well, there's God's activity. God passes over in the story of the liberation of the children of Israel. He passes over the houses and he doesn't smite the firstborn. And so he shows mercy. Okay, so there's this action of God. God is the active subject or the agent of this passing over. But also in the Old Testament story, we have a human subject or agent of this passing over. It's the Israelites themselves who pass over the Red Sea. And of course in Cecil B. DeMille's film that was very high-tech, you know, for the for the day and age back in 1956, where the parting of the Red Sea was very impressive. And it's still pretty decent to this day, I think. In any event, um, that's their Passover. It's human beings passing over the Red Sea out of slavery into the freedom of the promised land. So we have this theme of human freedom and liberty. And Cecil B. DeMille's rendition of the Exodus story really focuses on that, really focuses on the liberty thing. In fact, some people, some critics will say, you know, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Moses is, is, is almost like a, a George Washington figure or something. He's very American. And in fact, the final scene of the movie has Moses standing on Mount Nebo, and he's got his right hand lifted, and it reminds us of the Statue of Liberty. It's very, very American. And he says, go into the land and proclaim liberty to all the inhabitants thereof, which is a quote from the Bible, but it also happens to appear on the Liberty Bell. Okay, so it's very, very American. And so some critics say, well, this is really kind of this you know, shameless piece of American triumphalism. I mean, it's really disgusting, you know? And uh, we've got at one point when the Pharaoh goes out after uh, the children of Israel and he gets his forces together and he gets his army together. All his military men, they say, and you get this if you've got to have the subtitles. You know, i got to have the subtitles. Hail, Pharaoh. Right? So it's to remind us of, okay, we're the victorious Americans and, you know, those bad Nazis. That's, that's the idea. Okay, America great, you know, dictators, so European totalitarian dictators bad. Uh, I think, I think it's a little unfair though, because I, the, the movie really does, if you can get past kind of the, there's a little bit of cheesiness to it and it's dated and whatnot, and some of the acting's a little stilted, but there's real substance to it. There's really a lot to that movie. And, uh, there's more going on. You know, Cecil B. DeMille could be critical of his own country and his own culture. At one point, there really is a, a reference to the McCarthy era in there, because at some point, Ramses, he basically turns in Moses, uh, and he accuses him as treason. Treason. You know, there's all these kind of very subtle critiques of McCarthyism. And then, moreover, too, this was in 1956. I think, to me, you know, it was really kind of cutting edge in terms of the civil rights movement. 
and there's there's civil rights movement stuff going on in there. It was December of 1955 when Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white man, all right, and kicked off the whole civil rights movement. Okay, and so it was only a year later when Cecil B. DeMille's movie was made, and uh, you have some subtle things like in the beginning. Carolyn Heston, he's, he's this victorious prince of Egypt and he overcomes the Ethiopians. When he brings the Ethiopians in to give tribute to Pharaoh, he, he refuses to have them kneel to Pharaoh. And he says, they are our friends, they are our allies. Okay? And then there's another scene where there's all of these kind of retinue of Moses' Egyptian mother and their, their black guys. And they say, can we come in? This is during the Passover meal. When the, when the angel of death is going to strike down the firstborn. Can we come in? And uh, Moses, he says, all who thirst for freedom may come with us. And so all of these black guys come in. I think it is for its day, age 1906, actually very kind of pro-civil rights. So the theme of freedom in this movie is, is quite quite real. But it is true overall what's going on there. It's a very anti, it's a kind of a Cold War era piece. It's a Cold War era piece. And the USSR looms large thematically as the big bad guy, which, of course, when I watched movies as a kid, it was always the USSR. Every bad guy in the movie that I watched was, was a Russian, okay? And every good guy was an American, and that's just how it worked, you know? Um, so, nonetheless, we see this longing for human freedom and liberty. My brothers and sisters, today, what we celebrate, the mystery, the Passover, Passover is the solution to that problem of human freedom, that longing that our hearts have for freedom. Because you know what the true slavery is? The true slavery is slavery to sin. Okay? A true slavery and the bondage is within us. It begins within us. Our spiritual part of ourselves, our conscience, says, don't do this. This is bad. And our lower part of ourselves says, uh, uh, starts to tend towards it. And then our will, our higher part says, oh, okay, that looks good to you. Let's do that. And then we get entangled in vice and bad habits form. And we develop envy. What, what worse slavery is there than envy and jealousy of our neighbor? What worse slavery is there than hatred? We have hatred in our hearts. What worse slavery is there if we have unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment? Isn't it horrible? It's like hell. It's really like hell. Okay? Lust. These are the things that enslave the human heart. The solution is in Jesus and in the power of his resurrection life. His supernatural power that heals us from the inside. You know, there's a, in Cecil B. DeMille's going back to the Ten Commandments here, there's a little bit of a, a hint or a suggestion in the right direction. Okay? At the scene of the golden calf, one of the bad guys, he says, after Moses comes down with the, with the Ten Commandments, he says, we don't, let's see here, let's get the quote, right? He says, we will not live by your commandments because we're free. See, it's this idea that freedom from the Ten Commandments is true freedom. It's not. Freedom from the Ten Commandments is slavery. It's slavery. And so there's a response. I can't remember if it's Moses or Aaron. Someone says, 
There's no freedom without the law. Okay? And that's true. That's biblical. But this is the problem, though. we got to go further than that. Because the fact of the matter is, our will itself, because of sin, is fallen and corrupted and, quite frankly, doesn't want to obey the Ten Commandments. That's a real problem. So Moses can come down with as many laws from Mount Sinai as he wants to. That's not going to set us free. Okay? Because the law is outside and presents itself to us as a sort of an imposition. Something that's going to come into our lives and take away our freedom, take away our fun. Okay? And so today, we have got this alternative solution to human liberty. And we're, we're past the Cold War days, okay? So capitalism, you know, is not the greatest, you know, in our minds, culturally speaking, is not the greatest liberator. You know what today's greatest liberator is, false liberator, is technology. It's technology. Technology promises us freedom from drudgery, from work, those sorts of things. It promises us immediate gratification and pleasure. Okay, we can just touch our... I can just get the Ten Commandments immediately if I just touch the screen and I get Amazon Prime and it gives me what I want, when I want it, how I want it, right? And so that's the technology that promises us immediate gratification, pleasure, and beauty, and da-da-da-da-da-da. But it's enslaving, it's enslaving, because it furthers the vice and the addictions that are out there. And uh, the sensory gratification, the superficiality, okay, of sin, the lure of sin. Today, our baptismal, when we renew our baptismal promises today, we're going to say, do you renounce Satan and the lure of evil? Okay, all the technology that we have out there today adds to that lure, because it's all appealing to the eyes and to the senses. That's what it's all about. And so it really further enslaves us. You know what else it enslaves us to? It enslaves us to the technocrats, the computer geeks, who design all of these programs. These are transnational national corporations that run the world. And as you're playing on your phone and your tablet, they're stealing all of your personal data. They know exactly where you are at any time. They know all of your preferences in terms of what you buy, what you purchase, all the YouTube videos you click on, and they take all that personal data and they sell it to big corporations so that they can personally tailor and make advertisements for you to control you. As if you're like a little lab rat. Okay? And it's all for corporate profit. That's the new slavery. That's the new slavery today. And that technology is going to, is going to liberate us as a false liberator. My brothers and sisters, it's only Jesus who is the true liberator. Jesus alone and his resurrection from the dead is the solution to the human problem of freedom. Because when he rose from the dead by divine power, by God's power, the, the, that sinful part of us that refuses to obey our conscience is healed. Our will is healed. Our passions are healed. And there's a process of reintegration and harmony is restored to us. Just as Jesus' soul was restored and integrated into his body in the resurrection of the dead, so also in the Christian hearts, the lower part of us and the higher part of us are reintegrated, harmonized, 
so that we are set free, not for pleasure, not just to do whatever we want, but we are set free for goodness. We are set free for love. We are set free for joy. That's the freedom, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus brings to us. And his resurrection from the dead, his bodily resurrection from the dead, is the pledge and the power and the vehicle of that freedom. And it's also the pledge of our own liberation, our final liberation from death, when we ourselves be raised from the dead. My brothers and sisters, this is the Passover mystery. This is the Christian Passover. Out of the slavery of sin, passing over into the liberation of the resurrection. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.